Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, a podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Tom Wooten. I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for the tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you are a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, remember there are now over 80 Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts or you can simply stream them online at the TICT website, which is tict.com.au. Now, let's get into today's conversation with Amanda Vallis, the founder and director at Vallis & Co. G'day, Amanda. Hi, Tom. How are you? Great. Good. Great to to be here in sunny Launceston. Absolutely. At uh, the Peppers Silo Hotel. We're here in Luke Martin's hotel room, which is disconcerting (laughs) to say the least. It is a bit. Yeah, could have tidied up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, uh, look, Amanda works with exceptional brands, people and places to articulate who they are through thoughtful communications and events. Amanda has led press tours to Italy, executed a three-week dining activation for Arts Centre Melbourne, directed the 2018 and 2019 Flinders Island Food and Crayfish Festival and hosted various media and dining events around Tasmania, including a recent activation for Trade Tasmania. Some of her high-profile PR clients include Stillwater 7, Blue Derby Pods Ride and On Island Time, Flinders Island. Amanda understands the importance of building and maintaining meaningful relationships, working closely with key media influencers and industry stakeholders to achieve quality publicity outcomes for clients. That's a reasonable spiel. Did you write that one? Or mm, <laughs> I think I did, yes. Maybe a while back, yes. Tell us about Vallis & Co in, in a nutshell. So Vallis & Co is um, my own sort of little PR business based in Hobart. Um, when I say little, I mean very little. It's just myself. The Co refers to um, an amazing list of contractors that I have come to know over the four years of living in Tasmania. So that includes photographers, videographers, event producers, chefs, um, you name it. I have been really fortunate to work with some of the most amazing people. So essentially, depending on the client that I'm working with or the project that I'm being brought on board with, I um, draw on that network of contractors to deliver um, uh, hopefully a quality service for clients. And this is a network that you've developed sort of since, I remember when you came back to Tasmania, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but you've got a fairly robust network already. Is that sort of... Yeah. Well, we're just so fortunate in Tasmania to have so many people that are at the top of their field. Um, you, you mentioned come back to Tasmania. I actually grew up in New South Wales. Um, I'm a mainlander. Oh, I just figured you, <laughs> you fit right in. Giving it away. <laughs> um, and um, my husband and I came to Tassie just after we got engaged and just fell in love with the place. And we ended up getting married here and made the decision quite early on that we wanted to move here and and eventually have kids here. And we now have two young children. Yeah, so um, it has been such an incredible opportunity to um, meet 
uh, yeah, as I say, photographers, chefs, tourism industry professionals, operators, all people doing incredible things in their respective fields and to be able to bring them on board for specific projects, to execute those projects for clients is just so varied and interesting and, um, yeah, I feel really lucky to be able to do it. Fantastic. And obviously so many of those people are here today and for the next two days at the TICT Tourism uh, Conference. That's uh, right. I have to try not to fangirl too much. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it is intimidating because there are so many incredible operators, particularly in the state, and marketing professionals. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's great to be here. Fantastic. Now, Amanda... We're here at the conference, as we mentioned. Uh, You're about to head off and do a workshop straight after this. What are you going to be talking about? Yeah, well, I must say, um, being a PR representative, I'm used to not being on stage and being behind the camera. So um, it's been a long time since I got up in front of an audience and spoke. So I'd be lying if I didn't admit to being a little bit nervous about that. Um, But I've tried to put together a workshop that is as practical and useful as possible to to tourism operators and tourism marketing professionals. And so I'm going to be focusing on PR, which is my core business for clients. Um, So looking at how to develop a PR strategy, um, why it's important, why you should bother as a tourism operator, and then diving into traditional media versus digital media. Great. Well, let's dive straight into that ourselves. I mean, what, what is PR? Well, why, why is PR something that Tasmanian tourism operators, big and small, should think about? So PR is basically word of mouth on steroids. So if you think about, let's take a lip balm, for example, if you see an ad for a lip balm on television, you might think, oh yeah, cool, it's a lip balm. But if your mum tells you that she's got this amazing lip balm and you should definitely use it, you start to think, okay, maybe I should consider buying this lip balm. And then if your friend also says to you, hey, I've got this amazing lip balm, you should definitely consider trying this. And then maybe a journalist that you've respect and read for a long time in a respected publication also writes about this lip balm. And then you see it in another publication and another publication, and then you hear about it on the radio. Suddenly, this lip balm is really starting to build a case for you to buy it, right? And all of a sudden, you feel like you, you really need this product in your life. That's what PR is. It is basically getting your message or your product out to your target audiences in um, the most efficient and effective way as possible and hopefully most low-cost way possible. And so via other people, not via you directly pushing it through advertising, it's getting other people to do the work for you. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. So um, specifically targeting publications or um, digital channels that focus on an audience that you are hoping to reach, yep. that your business is hoping to reach and engage with. So given the similarities, even as hearing you describe that, given the similarities there perhaps to social media, how do those two things reconcile in your mind? Do you play in the social media? space? I do. So I regard social media, people often talk about traditional media versus digital media. To me, they all sort of work together. To me, it doesn't matter which medium you're getting your message out through as long as it's effective. That's Mm. the main thing. So that will vary depending on the business and depending on the product. Um, Often it's a testing scenario. So figuring out what is most effective for you. If you're getting a double page spread in a weekend magazine in a major newspaper, does that ultimately result in many more bookings for your business than an influencer coming and documenting their experience at your accommodation property or your tourism offering? Yeah, the the, the thing, so 
at its core, other people doing the work for you and, and spreading the word, there must be something a little bit unsettling about other people selling a message that is close to your heart. So, you know, tourism operators are working hard to build their brand, build their meaning and their identity, and then they're trusting other people, third parties, so they might invite a, uh, a travel journalist to come and stay with them. They've got to then trust that that travel journalist will represent them in a light that they that aligns with what they uh, believe they are trying to sell. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. It can be really disconcerting and so you're not paying for an ad so ultimately, if you are hosting a journalist, when I say hosting, that usually means offering um, an FOC or free of charge stay for that journalist in return for them writing about that um, experience. It can be a bit disconcerting because ultimately the journalist does have the right to write whatever they like. Mm-hmm. So they keep saying? Yes. So however, for the most part, you know, people understand that business owners are doing their best. So on the very rare occasion that a journalist does have a negative experience or doesn't feel like their experience is up to scratch, you know, I've never had been in a situation where that journalist hasn't just had a quiet word mm. about it and perhaps they don't write the piece, which is annoying mm. um, for an operator when you've gone to all of that trouble, but far less annoying than having a negative negative publicity out there about you. And, and it's always a you know, I would see that as an opportunity to learn from and figure out where you went wrong and where you can improve so that you can host media successfully in the future. But I've never, in the tourism space, I've never known a journalist to sort of maliciously put down of course, a business. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So what can the uh, our, our industry colleagues that are listening to this at the moment, what can they do to help uh, impart their brand story to these visiting journalists or, or other forms of sort of PR? How can they control that brand message? So the first thing is developing a really clear elevation pitch that describes in two or three sentences what your business is and what you're offering. So um, we were talking earlier, and Tom, I know you spent some time at Pump House Point, um, and I've also done some work with Pump House Point, and it's obviously an incredible product, not a hard one to sell. Um, it's in a beautiful location. You know, it's obviously luxury, um, and it is it is hot property, literally, and it's not hard to get journalists to go and stay there and write about it. I told Simon it was all the hard work I'd done on it. But, but maybe you're <laughs> Me right. too. Maybe it sells the itself. Secrets <laughs> are. <laughs> um, the secrets The important thing with an elevator pitch is being really honest about what you are and not trying to present yourself as, for example, a luxury accommodation property if that's not at all what you are. So um, if you're, for example, just a no-frills caravan park, to me there is an opportunity there to develop an elevator pitch that really showcases that experience. So, for example, it could be something along the lines of a caravan park of yesteryear, salt between your toes, walking distance from the local milk bar, no frills, no worries. There you, know, you have it, folks. Boom. That is a man of valor. That's in why they action. pay me the medium bucks. <laughs> um, so my point is that it's really important to just own who you are completely and be really honest about it and celebrate it. That's not to say that you can sort of cover up a, a not enjoyable experience, mm. but but at the same time, there are different levels of experiences that are suitable for different markets and different people. For example, you know, Tom, I know you have young children, I have young children. A caravan park sounds pretty good right now mm. um, for my current circumstances, something that's affordable. We've recently bought our new home. You know, we, we are trying to save money. So therefore, somewhere where our kids can r- run around, they can get messy in the, in the surf, we can cook up a barbecue at, you know, kid dinner o'clock at five o'clock. That is 
really appealing to me. So this isn't something that is specific to luxury. So I would say that the first thing is, is just really drilling down on who you are and who you're, but by virtue of figuring that out, also figuring out who your target market is, Mm -hmm. because your elevator pitch will ultimately influence who your target market is and then filter down into the rest of your PR strategy in terms of what sort of publications you target, what sort of influences you target, etc. Great. So what does that look like? So so, so I'm a, a small tourism operator and I want to put together a PR strategy. I think we've sort of covered the first steps there perhaps, mm-hmm. nail who, who you are mm-hmm. uh, and then it feeds into who your target market are. Mm-hmm. What's the rest of that plan look like? So the rest of that plan involves identifying who your most effective communication, what your most effective communication channels are going to be, i.e. what publications, what television shows, what radio programs, what social media channels and specifically social media influencers, podcasts are going to be the most effective in reaching your audience and ultimately converting that communication into sales or bookings. So if you're not sure what those publications are, the best thing to do is literally ask people that you would consider your target market what they're reading, Mm -hmm. what are they listening to, what are they watching, yeah, Mm. and make a list of those publications, um, who they're following on social media, what sort of content they're consuming in general and and make a list of that and um, that will – that will ultimately um, compile your target media list as a, as a really good starting point for, yep. a, for a PR strategy. Mm-hmm. The second thing is understanding what is newsworthy, the natural news angle that is a really simple one and an easy one for clients as if you're new to market. So you've got about a six-month period from opening where you are new, so therefore by virtue of being new, nobody has written about you. Mm-hmm. So it's a great idea to ride that wave if you can. Um, so I would recommend in that circumstance issuing a launch press release. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of templates for press releases online that you can access. Um, it's essentially an A4 document that outlines who you are, what your backstory is, what you have to offer, what your price point is, and um, any details on the particulars of the accommodation or the um, experience that you're offering. And then I wouldn't some um, PR agencies do do sort of a blanket send out of media releases to a large media list of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend that. I haven't found it to be effective. In fact, I've never done it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend just starting with that really small, it can sometimes be a really small, concise target media list and sending that media release to each of the journalists. Now, people say, well, how do I find out their emails. In this day and age, it is ridiculously easy to find someone's email address. Mm. So hot tip, usually there is a formula to, as with any organisation, to an email address. So if you can find one person's email address and you know someone's name, you can probably figure out what that person's email address is. And there is absolutely no shame in just dropping someone a really nice email, letting them know that you've opened, that if you... Perhaps you're open to hosting media um, free of charge in exchange for coverage if they're interested. And also um, something that's super important is including a detailed pitch along with your press release. So not writing an email, for example, that says, hi, I'm so-and-so, we've recently opened, please find media release attached. It's really important that you you can showcase that you are familiar with the publication that you're getting in touch with and that you're pitching for a particular feature. So for example, there might be a, you know, a hot 50 list of accommodation properties that comes out in a certain month of every year. So 
you might sort of have that on your list as something that you want to be a part of. And so you email the person that is in charge of that list and you say to them, we've just opened, wondering if you would consider including us in the list that's coming out in November, for example. Happy to host you. Let me know if you're interested and just be really specific. And that applies to all publications. And same with television programs, you know, are you pitching to be part of the weather Mm. um, cross? For example, we recently brought down uh, James Tobin with the support of Visit Northern Tasmania and Derby Council, um, who did a cross from Derby on Weekend Sunrise. Um, And, you know, that involved pitching specifically to that program to get that across the line. And so I think it can really cut down time if you can just sort of communicate that you're in tune with what the program is doing or the publication is doing. The other thing um, from my point of view is to remember that the people that you're pitching to are themselves humans with mm. busy jobs and mm. the more engaging you can be in your communication. When we launched Mac One, mm. we uh, contacted all of our sort of target media by sending them a retro 3D viewfinder that had mm. the invitation in Love the it. viewfinder uh, because that became this talking point uh, and got them excited and they knew that if we were doing that, yep. then it was absolutely uh, a sign, a reflection that it was an innovative product we were launching as well. And That's right. That's right. I actually started out as a journalist at Delicious Magazine and I can tell you, um, and I was, you know, junior of junior, so low level sort of journalist at the time, I can tell you the number of media releases and pictures that come into your inbox every day is in the hundreds. Yeah. And so- Find a way to stand yeah, out. Find yeah, find a way to stand out. Mm. And also don't be put off if you get ignored the first time. Sure. Um, and don't be afraid to follow up. Um but also don't be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fine line. <laughs> That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, ever as you say, everyone's really busy, so don't, um, yeah, don't sort of follow up on a daily yeah, basis. Sure. But also just because you've been ignored the first time doesn't mean that there's no interest. Yep. Would it be fair to say another, just a plug here for Tourism Tasmania, they've got a really uh, strong team that can help here. Shireen Somerville, big shout out. She's, mm-hmm. a, she's, yeah, a, she's great. a very valuable asset to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their VJP program or Visiting Journalist program, mm-hmm. VIP really now, Visiting mm-hmm. Influencer program. Um, I know a lot of operators around the state uh, avail themselves of that of that resource through Tourism Tas and mm-hmm. find it really valuable. So yep. that will be another avenue to explore Absolutely, as well. yeah. I think it's really worth reaching out to Tourism Tasmania and particularly RTOs, mm-hmm. who are often the sort of ears and eyes on the ground for Tourism Tas, letting your RTOs and Tourism Tasmania know that you're opening or you've maybe got something new coming up, a new package coming up, mm. and that you would be open to being showcasing that to visiting journalists and if they could please keep you in mind just so that you're front of mind and don't be afraid to, yeah, get in touch and to sort of keep your RTOs updated with what's happening and and let them know that you are open to hosting media because if you don't ask for that, people just don't know and there Mm. are plenty of resources around. We're so fortunate in Tassie that everyone's sort of up for a coffee or up for a conversation. So Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. everyone is helpful and will bend over backwards to help you but you just need to put your hand up and say I'm here and I'm willing to do this. Okay. So before we get into the the wrap-up of the podcast, it it does sound from what you've spoken about that there's not a great deal of upfront cost on this stuff. It sounds a little bit more sort of strategic perhaps, unless of course you're engaging a consultant, which depending on your product could be the right thing to do. You're right. So this is below the line 
marketing. Mm-hmm. And so there is no, so there are no sort of advertising fees, but there are fees associated with, um, for example, hosting a journalist for free or yeah. an influencer for free. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those costs compared to the return on investment, hopefully are negligible. I know a lot of PR agencies do, so they will take, if they secure an article in a publication, they will take the equivalent advertising cost of that um, of a like a one page or two page ad in yep. that particular publication, they'll times it by seven yep. to give you an indication of the dollar value. And in a major sort of weekend magazine, you know, a cost of a full page ad can be thirty grand plus, up to fifty grand, depending on where in the magazine that you're located. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that the dollar value of feature in a magazine is amazing. And then also we haven't really touched on influencers because we're running out of time, but there, there are multiple opportunities with influencers. So there is obviously exposure via their audience. And the most recent influencer example that I can think of is again for Blue Derby Pods Ride, where with the support of Tourism Australia, which because of COVID, that organisation is now playing in the domestic space, which um, opens up some opportunities for Tasmania, obviously, as a sort of another organisation to draw on for support mm-hmm. and opportunities. So with the support of Tourism Australia, we were able to bring down Mr. Australia himself, Hamish Blake, who did the four-day Blue Derby Pods Ride experience um, that ends with lunch on the rocks at the Bay of Fires um, by um, Chef Thomas Dicker, who has the Bay of Fires Bush Retreat. So Hamish uh, documented his experience on his channel and he had over 400,000 likes on the post and over 600 comments. I know anecdotally from um, the Blue Derby Pods Ride owners, Tyra and Steve, uh, how that, you know, the flood of inquiries that they receive from that visit has just been incredible. For what cost them a complimentary experience for that's a very right. notable influencer. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yep. Um, and so, so that's obviously one opportunity, that reaching the audience, but also um, depending on the influencers, that you have there, there can also be a content creation opportunity. And so photography is obviously really expensive. And I would, by the way, recommend that if you are a tourism operator, that you do invest in quality content. So putting aside budget to have a professional photographer come in once a quarter and shoot a library of images for you. But on top of that, and to supplement that, bringing in influencers and um, offering FOC stays um, in exchange for a library of images that they shoot while they're there is also something that can be really handy and really valuable for you and just sort of an added bonus along with exposure via their audience. Great. Well, I feel that we could continue talking uh, for a lot longer about all of this. And uh, for those that have registered to go to your workshop in a few minutes, uh, I'm sure they're going to get a great deal of value out of it. Uh, Before we let you go, it is time for Talking Tourism's Big Seven. So, seven questions, nice, concise answers, thinking on the spot, three seconds to answer each. Oh, God. Yeah. Number one, favourite spot in Tasmania and why? I would say Killicranky Beach on Flinders Island. Um, it is just the most magical place um, and seeing, you know, the sort of cliffs from Mount Killicranky sort of falling into the mountain from Killicranky Beach is just magic. And it, honestly, you could be in Corsica in Italy. The water is so clear. The people are amazing. Um, so, yeah, definitely Flinders Island. Okay. Number two. Favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? I would say uh, Camogli, um, which is a little town in Italy just outside of Genoa. Great. Someone coming to Tasmania for the very first time in their life asks you, 
What's the one thing they absolutely must experience while they're here? What do you tell them? So I'm going to go back to Flinders Island. I sound a bit obsessed. Um, but I would, okay, I'm going to just do a little itinerary because I can't help it. So I would fly into Launceston. I would stay at Stillwater 7 where Chris, the hotelier, would totally look after you, curate your mini bar to suit your own personal tastes and the music is also curated to suit your own personal tastes as is the reading material, room service by Chef Craig Will, obviously. And then I would uh, hire a car to Bridport, hire a car, drive to Bridport, fly across to Flinders Island with Flinders Island Aviation. Um, Peter Barron, who owns that business, is just such an incredible operator. He does the postal service to the island every day. Um, So fly across with him. You fly quite low, so you get an incredible view of the island. And then I would um, stay on Flinders Island at... Um, preferably right on Killercranky Beach or um, at Wombat Lodge, which is um, a new accommodation property on the island. Disclaimer, one of my clients. Um, <laughs> as is still water I seven. feel like a lot of commissions yeah, yeah, yeah. commission flowing <laughs> on that answer, yeah. But um, no, but honestly, to me, that is just one of the most magical experiences that you could possibly have. And it's, it's sort of a part of Tasmania that I think a lot of people may not necessarily go and see. Yep. Great. And of course, the Northwest, uh, Tom. Yes, I, I thought that was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're na- obviously nailing the brief on the nice, concise answers mm-hmm. to these questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But yes, a, a simple version of that answer would have just been Northwest Coast. <laughs> you sure. are walking the overland track for five days with three other people. Anyone in the world, famous, not so famous, living or dead. Who and why? So at the moment, it would be a toss up between my mum. Well, it'll be my mum, my dad and my brother who are currently in New South Wales and given the current COVID figures, it's probably going to be some time before I get to see them in person. Having said that, none of us are very fit, so I don't know how it would go. <laughs> um, it'd be a bit of a struggle. Or um, given the current um, situation in Afghanistan, I would take any three women that are currently stuck there at the moment and bring them to Tasmania and take them on that trek with me. Good on you. Just to keep them Good safe. Good on you. Good answer. You're road tripping around Tasmania. What are you listening to in the car? So many things, Tom. <laughs> so Concise we ta- answers. <laughs> okay. So we talked before about Red Hot Chili Peppers, obviously, that's standard road trip fare. Um, <laughs> Billie Eilish's new album, Taylor Swift, obviously, Tay Tay. Um, <laughs> um, and then a series of podcasts. So I love The Briefing, which is a daily news podcast. I love all of ABC um, local radio in Tasmania, Leon Compton, Rick Goddard, all, yeah, all of those presenters love that. Conversations with Richard Feidler, always a winner. All, the, all of the Mamma Mia podcasts, I know that makes me such a girl, but I love them. And Shameless, obviously, which is your- rereading the question here is to say, give us the list of things you're- <laughs> <laughs> a big podcast person. Um, yeah, okay, let's leave it at that sure. for now. <laughs> so question number six, when you're road tripping and when you arrive at your destination, mm-hmm. what is your tipple of choice? Dirty martini, obviously. With what gin? I'm going to say 40 spotted gin. Okay. Tasmanian, obviously. Absolutely, has to be. And the last one, the big debate, curried Tasmanian scallops, a culinary delight or a culinary crime? It's a crime, It's Tom. a crime. I'm sorry. Wow. Maybe it's the mainlander coming through. <laughs> Absolute crime. Right. Everyone's entitled to an opinion and I'm sure that's one that splits the audiences. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Amanda, and good luck for the workshop in a few minutes' time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them every two weeks or so. 
Also, remember to tell a friend or tourism colleague to check out our podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. I'm your host, Tom Wooten, in Luke Martin's bedroom, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. Talking Tourism.